How Not to Waste Your Life. Lessons from two pretty awesome young guys. I'm Lance Leffler, and we'll look at this topic today on God Meets the Grind. I'm a people watcher by nature. When they used to have malls and my wife would take me with her shopping, I would prefer just to sit down near the food court and watch people. Just me, sitting there with my wife's purse, observing, imagining what everyone's lives were like. But the people I've watched the most over the years are believers, whether ministry leaders or just regular people, and for a very specific reason. Some people come to embody different virtues so amazingly that I think of that person when I think of that virtue. If a picture is worth a thousand words, then a living, breathing example of love or joy or peace or whatever is worth a million. You know how they say certain things are better caught than taught? Let's see what we can catch from the lives of Timothy and Epaphroditus. A couple minutes on each of them. Let's start with Timothy. Paul met Timothy in the city of Lystra in the book of Acts, chapter 16. Lystra is in modern-day Turkey. He was already well-spoken of in the churches in that region. Paul immediately takes him along with him on what's referred to as his second missionary journey, and he becomes one of Paul's closest associates. And it turns out that Timothy is with Paul in Rome when he writes our book of Philippians here. Along with being a traveling companion of Paul's, Timothy was a young pastor in the city of Ephesus. In fact, we have two New Testament letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, First and Second Timothy, guiding him in pastoring the church in Ephesus. He was given a huge responsibility of pastoring a church in a major city at a young age. How young was he? Well, we're not sure. But we get hints in passages like this. In First Timothy 4.12, Paul says to him, not to let anyone despise his youth, that is, look down on his youth. Paul also warns him in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, to flee youthful lusts. So Timothy was definitely young, young, dedicated, and leading. Funny story about 2 Timothy 2.22, where Paul says to flee youthful lusts. We were at this youth camp years ago, and one of the speakers went to quote this verse, Obviously, this verse must be quoted at all Christian youth camps at least once a day. So the speaker went to quote it from memory, but he accidentally shouted out, Flee lustful youths. It took him a second to realize what he'd done. I think the crowd of teenagers rolling on the floor was the tip-off. But after we laughed about it for a while, we all kind of nodded and said, Well, yeah, that's a good idea too. But let's look at what Paul says about Timothy in our passage here in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 24. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Look at what Paul says about Timothy in verse 20. I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He goes on to say that others around him have nosedived, for they all seek their own interests. 
I've spent a lot of years in ministry. I've seen people rise and fall, get excited about Jesus, then drift off, and sometimes just bail on Christianity and ministry altogether for one reason or another. I know this temptation intimately because I've done it myself. I became a follower of Jesus when I was 19, and I was crazy on fire for him. I got saved into a small but really fast-growing church in Southern California, and so I was given lots of opportunity to teach and preach and lead. But I hit some potholes along the way, cooled off, tried to flee. I thought I'd get out of the ministry racket and find my sanity selling real estate or something. I've gone through patches where I was pretty cynical about ministry and people and life. We're all too human sometimes, aren't we? At least I am. I think that makes Timothy's example all the more remarkable, to be so devoted and proven as a young man. And what a comfort and encouragement to Paul. I'm amazed at how many problems Paul had with his leadership teams and the churches he started. I shouldn't be, I know. People were just as sucky back then as they are now. And just because he was an apostle doesn't mean it was going to be all rainbows and lollipops. So, if you're not in leadership, here's something awesome you can do. Pray for your leaders. Pray, and then show them some love. Give them a gift card to a great restaurant, or bring them dinner, or take them water skiing, or pay off their mortgage. I don't know, I'm just spitballing ideas here. Actually, I knew of a church that paid off the pastor's mortgage. But that was one of those health and wealth, prosperity kind of churches, so I guess they do things a little different. But I will admit, though, that story made me consider changing camps. And finally, one of the best things you can do is just be good humans. Just behave. And maybe try to grow in grace. Paul refers to Timothy as his son in the ministry. Here and other places. Another indication of just how special his relationship was with Timothy. By the way, the name Timothy means honoring God or honored by God. That sounds about right. My good friend's son is finishing high school and feels the call to be a missionary to Europe, where the gospel has eroded to almost nothing. And my friend's son, we'll call him Tim, has the most tender heart of any kid you ever met. He has that same devotion to Jesus that Timothy had, and soon will take on the same sort of work. It thrills me to no end to see young people get crazy for Jesus, whether it's as full-time missionaries or in whatever vocation. All right, now on to the guy with the unpronounceable name. Have you heard about this guy, Epaphroditus, before? Or is it Epaphroditus? Say that three times fast. Tongue twister aside, I think you'll be just as encouraged by what you hear about Epaphroditus. Let me read what Paul writes in Philippians 2, verses 25 through 30. I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Epaphroditus is from Philippi. His name is derived from the Greek goddess Aphrodite, who was also known in the Roman pantheon as 
Venus, the god of love, fertility, prosperity, and a few other unmentionable things. My wife and I got to visit the ruins of the famous Temple of Aphrodite in Corinth, Greece, on our honeymoon. The name Epaphroditus means honored by Aphrodite, and so it comes to mean attractive or charming. So the Philippian church sent him to Rome to help Paul. I assume he was young, just like Timothy, but it's just a guess. The reason I say it is because that sort of journey was more of a young man's game. I'll come back to that in a minute. So while under basically house arrest, Paul's necessities, things like food, would have to be provided by friends and family. So the Philippians sent Epaphroditus with a financial gift, and he also seems to have augmented that by working some sort of job when he got to Rome. I don't know how common this is around the world today, but I saw it on a trip to the Philippines. We have missionary friends there who had a ministry to some of the prisons, and we went to the prisons with them. And when you walk in, in the yard, you see all these family members with the prisoners cooking and sharing food. I had visited a couple prisons in California and had never seen anything like this. While he was in Rome, Epaphroditus got sick, really sick, so sick he almost died. And they heard about it in Philippi and were concerned. And then Epaphroditus heard that they were concerned, and so he was concerned. And Paul was concerned that the Philippians were concerned about Epaphroditus. As far as I'm concerned, this was crazy, because Epaphroditus still kept working. So as soon as he could, Paul sent Epaphroditus back to Philippi with the letter we're now reading. Here in our letter, Paul confirms that Epaphroditus risked his life for the ministry. Risking his life could also refer to the trip itself from Philippi to Rome with the Philippians' financial gift. Since they didn't have Venmo or Zelle or even traveler's checks back then, Epaphroditus would have carried the financial gift from Philippi as a big wad of cash. And traveling in the first century was not quite as safe as it is today. The roads were riddled with robbers and highwaymen looking for a payday from innocent travelers. So you normally didn't travel alone, especially when you were carrying so much cash. This is just how my mind works, but bear with me here for a second. I picture Epaphroditus waddling bull-legged along those uneven cobblestone roads with his pockets just bulging with coins, rattling as he moseyed along. Chink, 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 chink. And in my mind, this is just a dead giveaway. Every single robber and highwayman with their big bushy handlebar mustaches and dusty wide-brimmed cowboy hats, spitting tobacco, are up there eyeballing him from their perches amidst the rocks and cactuses. Or is it cacti? Microsoft Word didn't correct either of those. That's weird. Anyway, I'm sure that's not what happened. But now you have the same wonky image in your mind as I have in mine. Hey, you chose to listen. Either way, Epaphroditus risked his life for the progress of the gospel. And for that, Paul says we should honor him and people like him. Which means I probably shouldn't have shared that absurd little Western vignette just now. We're all equal in Christ, no doubt. But then, some people stand out sometimes because of how they sacrifice to see Jesus' message get out. And we should honor them for that. For Timothy and Epaphroditus... Their legacy lives on in the pages of the New Testament. For this generation coming up, go hard after Jesus. Rise up and find your God-given place in this world, in the hope that when it comes time to die, you'd know that you didn't waste your life. Next time, we're going to look at something that means more to Paul than anything else on earth. I'm Lance Leffler, and I'll see you next time on God Meets the Grind.